reading tonight from the book of Matthew, looking into the 15th chapter and starting with the 21st verse, Matthew 15, 21. Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coasts of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Cana came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. But he answered not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat from the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Interestingly, there are two people in the New Testament that Jesus refers to as having this great faith. The others found in the same book of Matthew in the 8th chapter. Uh, You're familiar with that story, I'm certain. It's about the Roman centurion that came to Jesus while he was in Capernaum. And his servant was suffering with some sort of paralytic condition. And Jesus offered to go to where the centurion's servant was and to heal that servant. Now let me just read his short response of what resulted. Uh, from that 8th chapter, 8th verse, it says, The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word and only my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say unto this man, Go, and he goeth, another come, and he cometh. And to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. And Jesus heard it, and he marveled. And he said unto them that follow, Verily I say unto you, I have found, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And then verse 12 concludes that by saying, And his servant was healed that selfsame hour. So in these two accounts, that are very parallel, there are both similarities and differences. And while we are going to lean on the second account, I'd just like to point out uh, for just a moment that there are some similarities and some differences. Of, Of similarities, it's worth noting their authenticity. They're both Gentiles. Now, we know Jesus was sent to the Jewish people, and he is their Messiah, and he came, but it says he came and to seek and to save that who is lost. And so authenticity makes no difference, and in this case, they're both Gentiles. They both had compassionate hearts. They both advocated for someone that was under their care, the centurion, his servant, this woman, her daughter. They Both the healings that were requested were granted, but from a distance. And when we read in the Word of God, Jesus would typically be face-to-face with somebody and grant the healing, or at times he would touch them, or sometimes both. You know, he would reach out and touch them, and they would be healed. Now, there are differences, though, as I mentioned. They are different gender. We've got a man, and we've got a woman. And there are different stages, stations in life. One, as we know, the centurion was of high rank within the society. The other was of low rank, a common person of no notoriety at all. And clearly, through 
Luke, the Lord is reminding us that in his eyes, we're all equal. The Apostle Paul declares this plainly in the fifth chapter of Ephesians, but the Apostle Matthew illustrates it through two narratives that are found in these two chapters. And the common theme is found in verse 28, O woman, great is thy faith. So then, what is great faith? And in contrast, it's also in the word of God mentioned that we are to have, if we have a little faith, it says, of the size of a grain of mustard seed, that great things can be accomplished. In Matthew thirteen thirty one, Jesus mentioned that this mustard seed was the least of all seeds, so it's very tiny, very small. And later on, um, in Matthew, the 17th chapter, he gives these instructions to his disciples. He says, And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, If you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to a yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible with you. So I confess to you that that it, it concerned me a little bit that when considering this passage, these two things come to mind. Little faith does great things, but then these two people are commended for having great faith. So does the concept of doing great things here by having a small amount of faith come into conflict with the idea that this person received their request because she had great faith? I puzzled over that for a while, I I must confess, and so I'll just share that with you, that, you know, I I, I had to think this through, and I'll share my thoughts with you to that degree. I dug a little deeper, and the word for great in this account is the word mega. Now, I'm fully aware of the fact that if you do some research behind the scenes, you're going to notice that if you dig a little deeper, that the word mega here is used. There's another word used for great for the centurion, and but they're both translated in English as great and problematic with the English language. They're not very specific in a lot of the things that we do and and what we say, and the Greek is far more specific. And in this particular case, and I'm going to surmise this, and trust me, I'm not a Greek scholar, even close, but a little bit of scratching around and a little bit of research is pretty evident that the great here was in the feminine gender. So if you go behind the scenes and, and want to come back to me and say, wait a minute, they're different words for great. They're both translated great on purpose. It's a great, it's a wonderful translation. It just has to do, I believe, with the gender. So this mustard seed faith, it, this word mega, I'm sorry, this, this mustard seed faith versus this, this great faith. Um, the word mega is something that we use today. We, we use it in the computer realm with the megabytes and all of that stuff. It's talking about something that's beyond the normal in size and volume. That's this word mega. Mustard seed faith that's mentioned five times in the Gospels is used to indicate how the kingdom of heaven would grow and encompass the earth. So the lesson here is this. It doesn't take much quantity of faith. It's growing a lot to accomplish great things in the kingdom. He's reminding us that our part in faith is very small Because the great thing is what God will accomplish. So then it really doesn't put us into conflict when we read about mustard seed faith and when we read about great faith. Because Jesus is commending this woman and not speaking about the size of her faith. 
in reality, what he's talking about is the scope of her faith. And there's a difference. So for a few moments, we'll discover this together. Now, as a way of background, Jesus is on his way to this particular region after having been um, doing a lot of teaching, a lot of healing. Uh, he wants to get away from the crowds that are pressing him. And there's a lot of detail that happens prior to this account that that is interesting but not critical to the narrative. But what does happen is that he enters into this region of Tyre and Sidon, which is in the northern part of Israel today, if you're looking at a map, and would be considered to be southern Lebanon in this particular narrative as it's expressed here. And he ends up in this area where there is this woman who is not a Jew, she's a Gentile. And I think it, it's, it should be noted that even though he was taxed to the limit with the people that were pressing him to teach them and to heal them, and he was trying to draw himself away in order to get a little bit of solitude and to kind of recharge his batteries, if you will. He did go into this region for a purpose. He put himself in the path of somebody who is desperately in need. And there's no different for us today. The Lord places himself in the intersection of our needs as well. We see it time and time again when we look back on the great things that happened to us because the Lord's, our prayers have been answered and the Lord's intervened on our behalf, that he is there in exactly the right point that we need him. And he delights in showing his grace in our time of need. You know, plainly said, Jesus knew that she would be here in this place and He engaged her in a way that allowed her to receive the thing that she needed. The Lord doesn't just string us along or he's not playing with us. He's fully aware of absolutely each, every, every one of us. He understands our needs and he approaches us and makes circumstances come to pass in such a way that we are in a position for our prayers to be answered. And even though when we go through this account um, and see the details of it, we were, we'll see that the Lord has taken her down a path that will ultimately result in victory. So we got a Canaanite woman who comes to Jesus, and we see in the account of what the components are of what great faith is. And there we're going to briefly talk about five things that comprise this great faith. The first one is that this great faith that Jesus declares she has is properly targeted. She puts her faith in the right person. You know, I hear this phrase frequently, and you probably do too, that people say, oh, I'm a person of faith. Okay, now I'm not trying at this, by saying this, to be um, insulting or demeaning to anyone that says that, but you know, just having faith doesn't doesn't result in uh, a connection with the Lord. People talk about they have faith. They have faith. You know, uh, the, 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 you know, I have faith that the sun's going to come up tomorrow. Well, okay, 
That's, it does. You know, I have faith that, that I smell a little moisture in the air that it's going to rain. You know, uh, people have, they, 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 some people, um, talk about that they're a person of faith when they have absolutely no interest in God. They just have a, um, a kind of a, um, a feeling of spirituality. And this is having faith in the Lord is more than spirituality. It's having a confidence in the Almighty. And it's a, there's a real difference in that, and, and I hope we don't fall prey to that. And sometimes our verbiage makes us fall into that when we're trying to be politically correct in the way that we speak. But we must make sure that when we talk about having faith, that it's properly directed, that it's targeted to the person that can honestly, that can actually answer the prayer that we have. Um, this was a Canaanite woman that forsook her idolatrous worship and reached out to the Son of God. It's no small thing. This was a dramatic departure from what she was culturally accustomed to. This is not something that someone does lightly. I'm sure she didn't. Her reaching out to a Jewish man to answer, to come up with a solution to her desperate need would have likely put her in conflict with all the people that she associated with all of her life. So this was a dramatic step for her to do, but she was desperate. And she somehow caught a glimpse, somehow, that this was somebody who was different than anybody that she'd ever encountered before. And she put her faith and her confidence properly targeted into Jesus. Secondly, this component of great faith is not only properly targeted, but it seeks mercy. Notice that uh, how she comes up to him. She came to him with a sense of unworthiness. She didn't boldly march up to him. She cried after him. She really kind of exposed herself in this way. It's, it, it, you know, this sense of unworthiness, it's an attitude that, that, that a person has. It's not really an assault on our self-esteem. We are all God's creation and possess a measure of dignity. And we, so that's, that's understandable. But at this time, she had no other resource. She was reaching out in desperation and she was willing to do anything to accomplish what she needed in her life, in her daughter's life and for her need as a protector of her. So when we approach the Lord, we need to recognize that the answer will be according to his will. She said unto him, you know, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. She didn't say something uh, lofty and, and try to gain his uh, uh, attention by drawing him, drawing his attention towards her as for a sense of worthiness. She just said, Lord, I am totally unworthy. Just please have mercy. And, you know, I was listening to the radio the other day. I heard something that really caught my ear, and I thought, wow, this is interesting. Somebody said something about the fact that we would demand of the Lord what is rightfully ours. And I, it, it really kind of made me stumble for just a minute. thought, what, what is this about? We don't demand of the Lord anything. We appeal to the Lord. We reach out to him and ask him that for that thing that he will freely give. But we don't have a right to anything all we have is the opportunity to approach a holy God and ask him for, for help. So 
we, uh, we appeal to the Lord in just that way. The third quality of her great faith that she had was that it was reverent. I, I love this. She says, have mercy upon me, O Lord, thou son of David. She goes beyond being respectful. She literally is being reverent. She calls him, um, O Lord, thou son of David. She calls him Lord, and she's acknowledging his sovereignty. She's acknowledging his omnipotence. She is saying exactly the thing that would be proper in approaching the very son of God. She refers to him as a son of David, rightfully placing him as a king. He's royalty. We know that. He is the son of David. He is the Lord. He was the Messiah. And considering how callously that Jesus has been treated up until this point, when you read in the narrative prior to this, you you would think that that was refreshing for him to hear. It's, you know, it's nearly unimaginable to me that the people whose lives were consumed with looking for the Messiah to come, to appear on the scene, missed the fact that the Messiah was actually in their midst. He was living among them. The people that were the most um, against him, the ones that said the most um, hurtful things to him, were the religious people that should have been aware of who he was and welcomed him. Instead, it was up to the common people, to the people that didn't have an agenda of their own, that were simply just looking to find the Lord that honored him, that respected him, and that gave him the due that he deserved. You know, everything that Jesus did pointed to the fact that he was the one who was the promised one, the one that uh, would come, and the religious people missed it entirely, but this woman did not. You know, as a side note, it's good for us to be reverent towards the Lord. It's good for us to be, uh, behave in a in a respectful way. Uh, I, I'm sometimes um, it's in vogue to be incredibly casual within religious circles, and and although I you know wouldn't want to impose a sense of formality that goes beyond being sensible, still there is great value in being reverent towards the Lord in presenting ourselves in a way that is respectful, uh, conducting ourselves in a way that shows that we honor God. It's, it's, it's great testimony when we live a life that is circumspect and we approach the Lord and come into his house reverently and, and, and with, with honor and honoring him in all that we do. The fourth part of this component, the fourth out of the five, is that uh, her faith was persistent. Uh, she came seeking the healing of her daughter, uh, and she came persistently. At uh, first, she was met with passive resistance. Uh, the Lord, uh, the Lord, basically says, answered her not a word. He's walking, appears in a direction, and she's following after him, and she's crying out after him, and and he doesn't acknowledge her at all. And then. After he is basically ignoring her, the crowd turns against her. In verse seven or verse twenty-three, it says um, uh, he continues, and his and it says, and his disciples came and besought him, saying, "Send her away, for she crieth 
after us. And the, the word there, crieth after us, literally means she's screaming at us. And the disciples are basically reminding the Lord, look, we're trying to get away and get a little solitude here. We're trying to get away from the crowd that's been encompassing us and, and to get a little bit of rest. And she is destroying our peace and tranquility. She's disrupting everything. And then, as she's still crying after them, the Lord rebuffs her as unworthy. Says, following in verse 24, but he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Reminding her that he is the Jewish Messiah. That I'm not here for the Gentiles, I'm here for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So by now, with all of the ignoring, with the people coming against her, with a comment like that, she, she must be reeling. She, she must be like, uh, what, you know, what can I do next? Which basically brings us to, to this final quality that, dis, that uh, defines what great faith, faith is. It's humble, properly targeted, repentant, reverent, persistent, and now she's humble. Rather than be upset or demoralized, uh, she she could have even got mad at all of this. It says, then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. And the word for worship actually means that she bowed down, literally put her face in the dirt. And then she hears these words from Jesus. It is not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. You know, I suppose if this were a boxing match, this would have been the roundhouse jab that would have put her down for the count. You know, how much more can a person take? I'm down here, Lord. What? I have a need. And it appears as if she's not going to get the answer to her plea. And Jesus says, it is not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. And most of us can relate to this. We had a dog for years, um, a lot of years. And uh, the rule around our house was no food from the table to the dog, right? Uh, that was Kim's rule. It's a fair rule. I understood it. But I didn't obey it. I would sneak a little, you know, off to the side out of out of compassion for that little pet because it's a nice dog, actually. And, you know, I really liked it. You know, it was annoying at times, but I really did like him. And I thought, you know, I'd like to share a little bit here and there. Um, and she caught me and she'd scold me and, well, okay. So we got through it. But nonetheless, that was something that this lady heard that just absolutely, uh, I don't I would have been at a loss for words at that point. And, you know, typically when we get rebuffed in such a manner, our natural uh, inclination is to come up with a smart answer. You know, to say something demeaning back. This woman is such a priceless example of the way that we should approach the Lord. In this sense, she just basically says, and I would... I would suspect if we were on the scene and we were viewing this happening in real time with the Lord addressing this lady in this way about not giving the things of the children to the dogs 
and she is kneeling before him, her face in the dirt. I, 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 in my mind's eye, I see this as her face is still face down, and she says, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat from the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Such humility. Such real humility. No wonder the Lord, taking all of these things into account, labeled this faith that this woman had as great faith. His marvelous response, let me read it to you, hear this. O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And the tagline that follows as her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Isn't that wonderful? That's the way the Lord is. This woman came to him and she had a need. And she just persistently came after the Lord with this great sense of humility, with full expectation that this person that she knew had the power to do the miraculous would do it for her. And we can have that same type of faith as well. We can be, we can take an example from this uh, wonderful woman and we can have the same answers to prayer that we need if we'll approach the Lord in that same type of way. We want this kind of faith that pushes away every barrier. We want this same type of faith that overcomes opposition and in that humbly receives. And that can be our portion here tonight. This woman received the answer to her prayer. She came unto the Lord in a way that is documented here as a way that that the Lord responds to. And the Lord will respond to us as well tonight. We have needs in our lives, each and every one. As we come into this place, and I'm, I'm sure that if we were just to go down uh, to each and every person and ask, do you have something that's on your heart? Do you have a need? Everybody could express, you know, I have a need for this, I have a need for that. Well, the Lord will hear your prayer. He'll hear it tonight. He'll meet your need. He'll give you what your heart desires. If you need salvation... And we come into the house of the Lord always aware of the fact that it's of high likelihood that there's somebody in this hall tonight within our congregation that doesn't have the Lord. And I would appeal to you, come to somebody who is compassionate, somebody who is able, who is willing to give you what your heart desires the most. If you need the Lord in your life, if your name's not written in heaven, it can be here tonight. If you sound sanctified, The Lord will touch you. He will help you. He will give you that cleansing stream. And he will do for you what you've wanted all of this time. Don't think for a moment that this isn't for you. And for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We have many within our midst that need the power for service. That need the Holy Spirit in their lives. And the Lord has his spirit for you tonight. In this place, the year is not over with. Wouldn't it be great If you ended 2023 with your experiences, saved, sanctified, and baptized in the Holy Spirit, wouldn't that be wonderful to have that before this year ends? God can do that for you. He'll do it for you tonight. And the song is 596. Let's come out and pray.